Welcome to this week's On the Spot. I'm Zach Strickland here with, as always, John Paul Hampstead, our Director of Passport Research at Freight Waves. And a lot is happening right now. Like, so we just got a huge jobs report. Um, the economy appears to be in some form of recovery, but your team has actually produced some fascinating research on what to expect from the consumer, because the consumer is really what drives a lot of the economic recovery. That's going to be the, the focal point of what drives, you know, what happens in freight uh, eventually down the line. Uh, industrial economy depends on a lot of this consumption activity. What is your what is your team found? Well, first, I just, Zachary, I just want to say that um, I think the unemployment data that came out today, the jobs report, is probably the biggest surprise in the history of this rate. It just it goes Honestly, to show you it so goes to show you how how little we all know about what we had. So um, we were at fourteen point seven percent unemployment. And as of yesterday, economists were saying, we're going to approach 20%. Well, it went down to 13.3%. So we, we cut 140 basis points of unemployment you know, um, in the country, had the biggest job growth number ever, which, I mean, makes sense given how many people were laid off and all that kind of thing. But it's, it's obviously a really exciting number, um, huge, you know, a huge uh, moment for the country when we realized, like, hopefully the worst is behind us. Hopefully, like, this recovery will be faster than we thought. Um, as far as uh, my team's research, which uh, we published last night, and we'll talk about it on a webinar this afternoon uh, for Passport members, um, we basically were asking ourselves the basic question, how can truckload volumes be up when consumer spending is down? Right, right, and then the, so there are a number of relationships, a number of factors that dilute like any kind of one-to-one -one correspondence between consumer spending and truckload volumes. The first, obviously, is that a lot of consumer spending is for services, not goods, right? I mean, even re retail spending was down. So how can how can um, truckload volumes be up when retail spending is down? Well, a lot of that has to do with there being a mixed shift. In retail spending, right? Right. So, um, you know, people, you know, weren't didn't go to department stores, but instead they spent money at, you know, discount stores and wholesale clubs and grocery stores and hardware stores. Um, they weren't necessarily buying clothes. They're, you know, and so there's the type of goods people were buying were ch was changing. And then the last thing I just want to say is that. Um, there's a very elastic relationship between the amount of dollars being spent and the actual number of truckloads it takes to move the goods associated with that spend. So just using like, you know, a grocery example, if I want to save money at my weekly trip to the grocery store, maybe I don't buy the cage-free eggs, maybe I buy the normal, like, cheapest eggs you can get, right? right? Well, it still takes the same amount of truckload capacity to move those eggs, even though they cost you know, far more than, you know, there's a far more than 10% discount or, or whatever. So, like, the, it's a very indirect relationship. Um, what we did in our report is we kind of looked at the history of truckload carrier earnings, history of truckload carrier operating ratio, put that over retail sales, kind of looked at places where retail sales were really weak, saw how truckload carriers did. Turns out, you know, as we know, there's a capacity cycle in truckload that really is what drives earnings. Um, but then we looked at kind of the current state 
of retail spending. And some of those dislocations I was telling you about, the shift in consumer spending from services to goods, from uh, you know department stores to uh, discount stores, from restaurants to grocery, a lot of that is starting to come back the other way. Right. So at one point, grocery was you know, 70% up year over year mm-hmm. in terms of spending. Now it's like 23%. So it's still hugely still outperforming. But a lot of, the, like like I said, a lot of the dislocation and the disruption and the um, has, has started to normalize again. So restaurant spending is still climbing out of a deep hole. It's still down double digits. Um, but it was down like, you know, 80%. Right. So it's like, like things are starting to revert back to normal, starting to normalize. There are a couple of categories, obviously, where that hasn't happened. Airlines, movie theaters, um, different kinds of, uh, you know, sporting events, concerts, things like that, that people aren't spending any money on. But what's interesting is that, you know, people spent the money in other places. And a lot of that benefited freight. Um, and to say that the spending is pulling back doesn't necessarily mean that freight volumes are going to suddenly collapse or anything like that. It just means that, uh, you know, transportation companies are going to have to think about their portfolio mix of customers. Um, if, if you're exposed to big retailers, you're probably uh, sitting pretty right now. Like those volumes are probably growing. Yeah, like um, the WalMarts and Targets, and of course the home improvement sector. WalMarts, Targets, but even the places like in 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 the mall, right? Really? Like 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 those like those places are growing now, and those places are still negative year over year, but have a lot. So they have a lot of room to run up going forward. Um, so Anthony Smith and I discussed on Freightonomics this week, our weekly podcast, about how there appears to be at least this. Uh, ex- impact of turning the engine back on or turning mm-hmm. everything back on. There's kind of a bump in activity as everybody comes back to the office and gets things going again. And again, at the retail sector, people have been cooped up for a while. You know, maybe they're going out and, you know, they, they finally get to go to the store they've been waiting to go to for a while. And they have this, you know, pent up energy that they're, oh, they're sure. willing to spend on. And, you know, we saw it in the, in the credit card data that your team analyzed a few weeks ago where everything, like you were saying, is kind of reverting back to the mean. We're going back to the seasonality. And it's, I think the real question is how close to that reality, that pre-COVID reality, do we get to? Right, yeah. right, right. Because there's so many restaurants that, are, you know, that may have closed permanently. Um, I know that Cong- you know, the Senate just um, made some modifications to PPP which should free up a lot, a lot more money and make it a little bit more flexible for small business owners to access that capital. So hopefully, like, a lot of the businesses that close aren't closed permanently. The, another data set that we looked at that I think is super fascinating is there's also a big difference between cat, total category spending. So, like, how much money are people spending at restaurants as a category versus daily average daily revenue at restaurants that have remained open, right? right? So, you know, half the restaurants in the country close. Restaurant spending, you know, goes down a lot, but the ones that stayed open are making a ton of money. Right. Because, you know, people people look on their phone or they're, they're Googling, they're trying to figure out which restaurants. If you want to go to a restaurant tonight, honey, uh, you know, our favorite three places are, are closed. What about this place? Let's go here. You go there, it's, it's packed. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, to me, I've always looked for the eye test. And going out the last couple of weeks, you know, I've obviously I've still been out in the world going back and forth to the office right. uh, every day. But... You know, going out the last couple of weeks, the restaurant situation, it, it, 
there's weights yeah. again. It's it's not like we've really even you know even though they're spacing people a little bit you know differently now, but there's weights. We were even turned down last weekend uh, at restaurants saying we were at our quota for the day, and I was like, <laughs> good for you. Yeah, so, I mean, right. <laughs> um, as far as freight markets go, you know, I think. This week started off pretty uh, level with last week, the way last week ended, which is pot strong. Um, even um, you know capacity in terms of tender rejections, pretty pretty flat like, compared to the end of last week. So 5.29 percent um, rejections, which is, which are low, but moving in the right direction um, in terms of getting the spot market eventually back to where it needs to be. I mean, we need to get tender rejections to like seven to 10%. Before we see any, I think, I think the interesting aspect to the tender rejection rate right now is the fact that it's, it's very disconnected from the volumes in the way that it doesn't necessarily, like when we saw the same level of volume back in March, tender rejections were over 12%. Uh, now we're under 6%, which was pretty much where we hovered all of 2019. So yeah. spot rates, spot market activity, is still very low because carriers are simply just gobbling up everything they can get their hands on right now, and it's keeping rates suppressed. And and I think shippers, um, you know, every year it seems like they get, you know, they, they forget some things that they learned, but they also sort of are gradually becoming more sophisticated. And we're seeing, um, or at least we're hearing about, you know, I don't I don't have the, the good fortune to move freight myself, but um, we're hearing that a lot of the largest, most sophisticated shippers are tendering mini bids, um, looking at certain markets, looking at um, where pricing or capacity may be in their favor to move freight kind of in almost like project-sized batches yep. rather than uh, sort of continuous, like uh, steady awards. In and that's, a way. that's super, I, I think that's a really good technique for right now because like you said, with the unemployment rate, nobody was predicting a drop in the unemployment rate. I think a lot of people were expecting it to go up. Uh, it drops. This recovery looks more and more like a V-shape or some sort of like bounce off the bottom, natural disaster type recovery versus the traditional recessions, right. um, depressions that we've had in the past. So that being said, that means that three months from now, conditions are going to be entirely different. So anybody that's going out for annual exactly. bids right now, long-term bids, are potentially setting themselves up for failure in the future. And Relationships are only going to get you so far, especially when you're talking about carriers that operate on 99, 101 ORs, meaning they're losing money on shipments right now or making a cent for every dollar that they ship. If they get a chance to go out to the spot market in three to six months and make, you know, a hundred times what they were making uh, on their contract freight that they locked in right now, locked in, right. uh, they're going to take that chance because that means that that's their survival. That's not, it's no longer a question of, am I getting greedy or not? It's literally, I have to take this opportunity. So these shippers or, or brokers or whoever, you know, that's managing this freight right now needs to keep in mind that the relationship will only work so far, especially when a, sh when a lot of these carriers, especially after a soft 2019, uh, were in survival mode already. I think some of the, the larger shippers with le with a lot of leverage are maybe asking for longer contracts, trying to lock rates in lower. You know, maybe they're trying to like kind of like bluff their way in, in, in a sense in, 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 into into um, having lower rates for longer. But uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of carriers like in, or a lot of shippers, and I think this comes out in the, the mini bid strategy. 
is, or they're kind of admitting that they don't have any like visibility into future demand either. Right. Like, like they, you and know, that's, don't really I think, know. I think we can all get on that page yeah, right, right now. I mean, I, you know, I myself didn't see us being at an 11,000 OTVI in, in June. Um, that's, you know, we're at 2018 style volumes right now, 2019 style rates. <laughs> um, and so at some point so those lines have to, they, they will, they will correct eventually. So, it, you know, whether I think the volumes are probably going to come down a little bit, especially we'll see how this June works out. Um, you know, traditional peak season right now, uh, as we ramp into July 4th. But again, is this. Is this going to be? A and I just year? think I just think psychologically, the fact that the narrative is now changed to um, not how bad is it going to get, but how quickly can this economy put people back to work is um, going to, you know, that that is a psychological narrative that should work powerfully in the carrier's favor. I would think. You you would think, but I know that there's shippers out there trying to take advantage of the moment, which is oh, and and by not the, the worst thing. <laughs> and by the way, the, one of the one of the few sectors, or no, I shouldn't say one of the few sectors, but one of the sectors that did um, lose jobs or have a net loss of jobs was truck and transportation. So capacity still coming out of the market, um, which you know is has, has been um, that's been the story for a, over a year now. I mean, I think the question is, is how much capacity is it going to take to leave the market? Where's that inflection point? Again, carriers appear to be just accepting everything they can possibly yeah. manage right now. And, and, you know, how long does it last? You know, real quick, uh, we've got a minute to go here. So we're actually seeing some of this play out in the reefer market or the produce market yeah. right now because the produce season is kicking off. You know, it's it's actually having a pretty steady year, and you know the harvest started on time, and they appear to be producing, you know, at an even pace right now. Uh, so, a lot of reefer rejections are going up right now. Yeah, where reefer volumes on the contracted side are going down. So, there, I mean, there's an impact there more than likely as some of these cares uh, flood to the spot market and make, you know, t you know, three the, to five the mixed shift. And so it's we're going back from. All grocery, no no restaurants, swinging slightly yep. back the other way, and that's definitely true. Like grocers mm -hmm. should see demand ease, but um, I wrote we wrote last month. We kind of went out on a limb and said it looks like reefer carriers are set up for a, a, actually a yeah. good year, pretty good against year. all the odds, and that I think is still the case. Yeah, right on. Well. You know, these are these are weird times as usual and yeah. unstable, so uh, be sure to stay tuned for any future updates from on the spot and freightways.com.